0: Have you guys uh, 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 looked at or, or identified that there's a demographic comeback to this as we go through the cycle of coming back to
1: next year? Well, interesting thing, John, you, uh, we shouldn't spend so much time and uh, money on research. We should just talk to you. <laughs> because the research was exactly that.
0: I don't want to share someone else's thoughts. I want to create my own original thoughts. I want to create my own original solutions. I want to look at situations and come up with my own phrasing, my own words,
1: and do it my way. This is the John Taffer Podcast.
0: Shut it down. Oh, shut it down. And I'm John Taffer. Hey, everybody. You know, it's funny. I always listen to that. I don't want to listen to anybody's words. I don't want to read anybody's stuff. Pretty cocky stuff, don't you think, Corey? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it is. You know, it's interesting, uh, as one who's been in, in conventions and, and, and things for years, I'm not one to go to other people's seminars and stuff. I like to find out stuff on my own. I'm not sure that's smart because I've met a lot of people that have been to a million classes and seminars. Some of them know more than me, so I'm not sure I'm right, but it's worked so far. I probably wouldn't be talking to you all today. Well, hello. I'm John Taffer. Welcome to the John Taffer Podcast. Well, this is going to be a fun podcast. I have a great guest who I'll talk about later, but there's a few things to update everybody on, Corey. Taffer's Tavern. Yes. We're running about two weeks late. Ask me why, Corey. Why? Fucking COVID. That's why. Uh. No, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, uh, we've been great. You know, we're doing great as a team. We've implemented every safety procedure you can, but we're hiring 120 employees. Right. Not only are we hiring 120 employees, which is a wonderful thing. Anytime you hire anybody, it's a wonderful thing, especially these days. But we had to order, I don't know, 150 different things from plates to boots to millwork to, and COVID, every factory in the world that makes lights, makes boots, does millwork, does it. Uh, COVID, running late, COVID, COVID, COVID. It's like the ultimate excuse mm-hmm. And in some cases, it's a valid excuse. I mean, in California, some of them can't go to work. Right. Factories are shut down yeah. and stuff. So, our booths and our millwork, which are really cool custom, we designed everything <laughs> oh, really sure. good. And every booth has glass and copper and, and special woods, and, and uh, it's a beautiful restaurant. And uh, uh, they were two weeks late. Well, you can't open a restaurant without seats. So I want to thank my staff out in Alpharetta, Georgia, for hanging in with us for a week or two as we got all this stuff straightened out. But the restaurant now is just about built, just about finished. Mm -hmm. And we'll be quietly opening in the next, I won't say when, because it's quiet. (laughs) And uh, we'll be fighting, tuning our training, our staff, and operating very quietly for a few weeks. And then we'll do our big grand opening. So I'm really excited about Taffer's Tavern. I can't wait for you guys to see it. Even more importantly, I can't wait for you guys to taste it And the cocktail program, I'm really proud of. I got to work with my buddy, Phil Wills, who helped me on the cocktail program. We had a lot of fun with it, and you're going to see it when you get it. No cocktail is just served like a cocktail, Corey. Everything has something connected to it, which makes it even a bit more fun. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these days, in a COVID environment, fun is really, really important. You know, I was doing an interview with Entrepreneur Magazine uh, yesterday, Corey, and uh, it was interesting because uh, they've asked me to do a video series with them, which I'm very happy to do. You know, they're my partners. They're my buddies. We, we, we uh, work together often. And those of you that don't read Entrepreneur Magazine, you should. Check out entrepreneur.com. You know, if you're not in business, it'll inspire you maybe to get into a business. If you are in business, it's a great source uh, of business intelligence at entrepreneur.com. But they asked me if I would do some videos with them. and You know, one of the topics is how do you market during a pandemic? Go to the library, Corey, and go look up a book, How Do You Market During the Pandemic.
1: Right, there is none. There <laughs> is
0: none. So, you know, we're sort of rewriting the world, almost like when internet hit. Years ago, I was uh, president of uh, nightclub media group, and we, were, uh, we had the nightclub and bar convention. We had other trade shows and things that we did around the country. We had restaurant marketing magazine and nightclub and bar magazine. And years ago, I am guess I'm going back about 11, 12 years ago, when digital magazines started, everybody stopped advertising in printed magazines because they thought everybody was now reading digital magazines, not printed magazines. But they wouldn't spend their money on digital magazines because they weren't sure. That's when all the printed magazines disappeared and they went down one after the other. Uh, uh, all the B2B magazines, like the architectural, not the ones you'd see in a magazine stand, the ones that go to businesses, all of them pretty much went out of business and it became a new world. How do you sell digital advertising? What is digital advertising? How do you market it? How do you, pr- it was all a new world. And then when e-commerce started, it was all a new world. How do you do this? How do you connect? How do you this? How do you that? Hey, that? And people like Gary V surfaced and other people that are really good at that particular discipline. A- and... Uh, Now we're in the same darn place post-pandemic, so what do we do? Well, the Internet's noisy as hell, so you're not going to drop a post on the Internet, Corey, and have people run uh, to a restaurant, so that's not going to happen. So we need to be really, really creative today in the way we do it. So I wanted to have a very special guest who could really address these questions. I wanted to have one of the greatest marketers in the country probably the world on my podcast today. And I do. And I'm really excited about that. But we'll talk about that in a minute or two. So we're going to really talk about how do you market today and what does the marketing environment look like post-COVID. You know what else is pretty cool, Corey? I was down the strip the other day. Yeah. And uh, I actually went to a casino for the first time. And really? I'm wearing my mask and I'm trying to keep a distance. And uh, I walked in. Everybody had social distancing. Everybody was wearing masks the service and everything was set up for distance, the machines, the the tables. Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, and I'm pretty COVID paranoid. Yeah. Yeah. It felt incredibly safe in there. It really did. And I saw one person in the elevator at a time in one hotel Mm -hmm. Where they have little footprints where you stand in the corners so is there somebody regulating you know the elevators was. and there was okay. and, and you know and and then when you think about it, they're taking your temperature as you walk through the door and they're not walking up to you with a thing it's automatic you don't even know it's happening right they're flagging anybody with the temperature and temperature is one of the first things that happens with covid so it, i gotta tell you Corey, i, I was uh, uh uh really really pleased to see it so i actually hung out for a little while okay enjoying myself pulled a handle or two (laughs) nice and uh but you know there is a way to do this safe Mm -hmm. i saw it with my own eyes so hats off to the city of las vegas for the way they've pulled this together with thousands of people coming in and out of our city the airport is safe and you know we should everybody in the world should look at what we're doing here so that other cities can mimic it and get the hell open already because it's time you know that brings up a good point uh I wonder if there's a lot more celebrities going out right now because they can wear a mask and just cover their face. and You know what I mean? I bet you didn't really get recognized as much. Okay, so I'll tell you a funny story. (laughs) So I'm standing in front of Taffer's Tavern last week. I got my baseball cap on. Mm -hmm. I got my mask on. I got sunglasses on that I would never wear on television. They're like round sports kind of sunglasses. So nothing that, that Taffer on TV would ever wear. And I'm standing in front of the restaurant talking to somebody, and some guy drives by in a car like 120 feet away and screams, Hey, Taffer! Oh, okay. I'm so not you... wearing a sport jacket, <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm wearing like a t shirt and jeans. So I don't know, but I'll tell you this in a casino, I did sort of sneak by a lot of people. Yeah. And it's celebrity is a bizarre thing, and I, yeah. I don't talk about it often, but you know, celebrity isn't something I've had my whole life. You know, it mm-hmm. happened to me uh, later on, and it, it's so bizarre at times, Corey. Like you sit in a restaurant and you're eating. And it's like you're a freak. People right. just stare at you every moment. <laughs> so you gotta be careful. I can't take too big a bite. I don't want stuff dripping there. And you know, picking your nose is out of the fucking oh, question. Yeah, yeah. You, you definitely can't do that. But celebrity is a very strange thing. Sometimes it really works against you, you know, and sometimes it really works for you. Uh, the, the good part for me is I can go into a restaurant. I'm always gonna be treated great in a restaurant. You know, years ago, Nicole and I were on the diet and said, no desserts. And we're going out in Vegas, and we're going out with friends. Every restaurant we go to, the chef sends what to the table? <laughs> Dessert. Dessert. <Yeah. laughs> so, so there's a good side of it. But, you know, th- there's a time where we just want to be left alone. We just want to be autonomous. We're all that way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the mask does help. And I'm guessing a lot of celebrities are walking around yeah. th- th- that are <laughs> us hiding behind those masks. Or those big scarves are even more, more uh, uh, hiding. You can really hide behind those. So with a decrease in visitors, how can we bring them back? You know, when you look at a city like Las Vegas or a city like Miami or even a Myrtle Beach or even markets like uh, um, uh, uh, the Pocono Mountains or San Francisco or wine country or all the wonderful destinations we have around the country, what did these destinations do to get people back? And it's interesting. You look at a city like Las Vegas, for example, which is my city, so I know it well. You know, the city like Las Vegas has the the LVCVA, which is the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Bureau. All businesses and tax base are fed revenue into this huge fund. That state or city fund is then spent on various advertising and marketing activities by an agency. So cities and destinations and states and all of these things hire agencies, And right now I've noticed, Corey, I don't know if you've noticed on TV, South Dakota is running a lot of commercials. And the governor of South Dakota is saying, come to South Dakota Mm. and, and, you know, great outdoors and all of that. And An agency did that. Mm -hmm. So the state has a tourism budget. They took some of that tourism budget. They gave it to an agency. And the agency then spends that money. And no different than in any other business. If the travel doesn't go up, that agency's in trouble, aren't they? Right. They probably lose the account and probably another agency comes in. Mm -hmm. Well, when you think about a market like Las Vegas or Miami, I remember years ago, Miami spent about 40% of their budget in Germany. And that winter, I happened to go to Miami, and there were Germans everywhere. You could hear them talking German in the restaurants. You wow. could see them walking around everywhere. It worked. Yeah. And then you see certain hotel brands, for example. I won't mention which ones. There are a few hotel brands in Las Vegas. They spend about 80% of their marketing in South America. And if you go to their hotel, everybody's speaking Spanish, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so so y- there's a logic to the way these companies market, ethnically age group, income levels, Mm -hmm. emotional. They really picked this apart. So how to imagine the the challenge to get 40 million people to come here this year, Corey. That's your challenge. I want you to get 40 million people to come to this city this year. Think of the massive numbers and how they go about doing this and how meaningful that could be to us or you potentially as a small business owner. So I wanted to talk about that a lot today and, and how... We're going to um, turn this around, and what are the tools that we all need to do that? So I have a very special guest who I'll introduce in a moment, but before I do so, next week's podcast might be one of my most special ever, and I'm going to talk about it now, and I'm going to talk about it at the end. I'm probably going to have one of the most powerful people in the world on my podcast next week. That's the plan, and we're going to have a plan to ask some very, very important questions of a very, very important person. So whatever you do, do not miss next week's podcast. I can't tell you who it is, but I'll tell you the second you see him, you'll know him, and you're going to be really curious to know what is Taffer going to ask him. And uh, you'll see next week. But you know, I wanted to talk to a great marketing expert, somebody who would really have something really powerful to say to us all, because this is a tough time. And right now, everybody's saying the next eight weeks are going to be brutal, right? And the numbers are going up and people are getting more scared and some businesses are closing and we're reading in the papers that we're potentially going to see more shutdowns. And and not the best news the past couple weeks, Corey. And yep, we got a vaccine a few months out, but right now the next 60 days are not looking so good, are they? No, yeah. So the numbers are a little scary. And even a young guy like you, you see this stuff and it makes you say, wow, if more people have it, then maybe I shouldn't go out as much. So, You know, this is a very, very difficult and tough time and it's time for our government to step up it's time to provide the necessary stimulus and subsidies that are needed to protect these businesses that employ so many people and over these next few weeks as we go through this difficult time i want us to remember that the vaccine is 60 to 90 days out this is sort of like the end of the race cory imagine you're in a five mile race Okay. You know, in the first couple of miles, you're sort of jogging. You, you know, you're saving yourself. And now you're in that last half mile and you got to push.
1: Mm-hmm. And that
0: guy next to you is running as fast as you are. <laughs> now you got to sprint after running four miles. That's a tough sprint. Yeah. That's the sprint we're in right now. It's a tough sprint, but you can see the fucking finish line. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see it. It's 100 yards away. Oh, I know. And, you, and if you can <laughs> just hold out those few more yards, you're going to make it. That's where we're at right now. Yeah. So this is our final sprint. So let's hang in there together. Let's support each other. Let's get past this freaking election and all the visiveness that it's caused, and let's get back to running our businesses and running our lives. And to do that, I wanted to have a really special guest with me today to talk about how we're gonna market. So I have a very special guest. Billy Vassiliadis is the man who runs, he's the CEO of R&R Partners. He handles all the messaging and marketing for the destination of Las Vegas. So under Billy's watch... That famous phrase, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, was created by his company. Every dream needs a merchant, every myth a myth maker. The New York Times wrote, in Las Vegas the job falls to Billy, the creator of Marketing Magic. R and R partner CEO has been the mastermind behind some of the most iconic and impactful campaigns for 40 years. From guiding the creation of r iconic What Happens Here, Stays Here ad campaign for the Las Vegas Convention Visitors Authority to advising presidents, senators, congressmen, governors to leading some of the most high-profile marketing and, and brands in the entire world. There is nobody who I actually know who has a more successful, more dominant track record in positioning and marketing than Billy and his company. So I will be right back in one minute with Billy
1: Vassiliadis. Don't shut down this podcast. John Taffer will be right back.
0: Billy, thank you for being here, buddy. It's, It's such a pleasure to see you, albeit on a computer screen
1: great to see you too John it's always nice talking to you and looking forward to this
0: uh, me too buddy so boy we've had a heck of a year and and you know those of you who heard my introduction of, uh, uh, about Billy but you know Billy is one of the pioneers who led the whole brand of Las Vegas uh, uh, and and what you've seen Billy over these years as the I guess the agency of record for the Las Vegas Convention Bureau, Uh, is really remarkable. How many years have you been managing the marketing or involved in the marketing of of the city of Las Vegas?
1: Well, the agency before I bought it, um, got Sig Rogish had the account since 1980. Uh, For me, it's been since 1994. Wow.
0: And and so you you are on the team when what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas was created in that rollout. When you look at... When you yes. look at all your years, because I think that's one of the greatest slogans of all time, uh, not Thank only for you. the city, it's deep. It says a lot. There's a lot of symbolism and visualization and fantasy, and you know, so many things come out of, out of those uh, a few words. Did you actually see an impact from that campaign?
1: Yeah, most certainly. I mean, it, it, it became part of the became part of our culture. Um, it, it was knocked off a lot yep. and, and, and imitated a lot, which is, I guess, a sincerest form of flattery. But we also saw a steady increase, not just in visitation, because maybe that would have happened naturally, but also the type of customers that were, were coming, uh, the experiences they were seeking. And also, I've been really, really lucky in that we've got companies on the Las Vegas Strip that constantly upgrade, update make their product more contemporary and fit with their customers' need. So we saw this kind of hand in hand escalation of the campaign with the product escalating, the campaign having to re-escalate. And ultimately, I think this town does the best job of any destination in, fulfilling people's aspirations of what they want in las vegas and we see that even in customer satisfaction surveys
0: yeah we do and i've, I've read so much of the data some of it even from r&r from your company if i'm not mistaken a 70 percent of visitations have come to las vegas before i mean the numbers is yes. it's huge like that yeah that speaks yeah. to the depth of our experience you know to the level of satisfaction that we achieve to think that somebody would come back to las vegas rather than going to a new place and have a new adventure speaks loudly and I guess it goes back to Mirage. You know, when Mirage l- launched on the Strip and then hotel after hotel after that, it became uh, an exciting time. So last year in 2019, the city of Las Vegas achieved, and correct me if I'm wrong, Billy, achieved about 42 million visitations. That's right. And give or take, about six and a half million, seven million were convention.
1: That's right.
0: And what many people don't know is Las Vegas sort of goes through a metamorphosis. In the wintertime, it becomes a little more convention, much more of a mix of business people. You see a lot more suits and ties on the strip. And then, of course, in the springtime, when when the convention season starts to subside, we become much more of a leisure destination, and you'll see a lot more Hawaiian shirts on the strip, and you'll see that demographic change happen. Whammo, COVID hits. And, you know, Billy, it, it's... Uh, as marketers we've never experienced challenges like this before no and and uh, i really want to dive into this and and try to understand it a little with you if i can back in march i said on fox news that i thought people were going to come back in thirds first third would be quick there'll be a younger fearless demographic lower income level but they'll come out pretty quickly then I felt the second third was be what I call the reserved third. They're going to wait and see, are their masks, is their safety, how does it feel, and then maybe they'll come out. And then I sort of thought the third third was the certain third. They're not going anywhere until there's a vaccine and, and, and you know, they're sort of bulletproof safe. And, and when I drive down the strip and look at our city, I almost see it rolling out in that kind of a way. Have you guys uh, uh, looked at or, or identified that there's a demographic – come back to this as we go through the cycle of coming back to next year?
1: Well, interesting thing, John, you, I, I, we shouldn't spend so much time and uh, money on research. We should just talk to you <laughs> because the research was exactly that, that somewhere around 30% of our Vegas visitors, the people that, that like Vegas um, were going to come back pretty much as soon as they could. They were under 35 uh, they were sixty plus percent male, mostly drive-ins coming from Southern California, yep. and they they were just pent up and wanted to just blow. They just wanted to come and have fun, and mm-hmm. and, and they really that group really didn't uh, didn't care per se that there weren't shows and you know some of the other product that Vegas has in in obviously pre COVID and yep. will have post COVID. They just wanted the escape. The, the pools, the yep. being able to have a choice of restaurants stay in a hotel room, gamble. Yep. Are, are, yep. Are, are, ironically, for the first time in, geez, I bet 25, 26 years, our gaming is growing, you know, faster than our non-gaming. Um, because those, again, there was no shows and things, and, and that was the demographic that came. It's interesting. It's so,
0: so you're not diluting the audience into all the nightclubs and the restaurants. We're keeping them contained in the casino. That's, that's exactly. fascinating.
1: It is. Exactly. Yeah. And, and then we started seeing that expand. Um, one of the interesting pieces of data we got about 15, 20 days ago is that the intent to travel to Las Vegas is about 31%. Uh, that's about what it was pre COVID a year wow. ago. So, People wanting to come here. Now, what you said is right. That second group is starting to come somewhat cautiously. Mm-hmm. They're intending to travel here in the next few months, uh, they say. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're also the news watchers. They're the uh, COVID Act Now, Johns Hopkins yep. indicator watchers. Um, <laughs> they're the ones who really appreciated our Vegas Smart campaign with the mask up, yep. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, social distancing. Yep. Um, and we're starting to see them come. That third third, I think, is still hesitant. Um, and I also, back to your convention point a second, because I think it's, it, it's important. You're right in that there was a seasonality to it, but there was also a weekly difference to it. We used to fill our Tuesday through Thursday rooms with conventions primary or corporate meetings, mm-hmm. but business trail. That's what's missing right now. That's probably our biggest pain point. Yeah. Our occupancy on the weekends is, is very strong. Yeah, you can see it. Without, I'm sorry?
0: You can see it when you go out on the street. Uh, uh, we right. certainly have the business. Fascinating. So, so uh, the biggest fallout has been in business travel, but that's the case in air travel across the country. So obviously we mirror that trend to some degree.
1: Right. the The, the difference with, I guess, the slight difference is that we had become—I don't want to use the word dependent—but that midweek business traveler had become quite a bit of cushion, quite a great cushion for us, and they paid higher for room rates. They did more retail. They more booked farther out. Dining. They, they booked, were good spenders.
0: And they booked farther out. Often they were booking book a, a year yeah. or two out or so. Uh, uh,
1: Completely predictable. Yeah. Right now, what we're seeing, especially with that first thirty percent you talked about, very spontaneous decision making. Uh, they're plan they're, they're not planning, they're just deciding at the last minute and jumping in a car or getting yeah. on a, a flight out of LA or, 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 or San Diego, um, out, out of, uh, out of Dallas. Um, but it's a very, very sort of spontaneous kind of impulse decision maker yeah. versus a far out planner. And it's great. We appreciate every one of them, but it's going to be, I think for us to be able to see a true recovery, uh, we're going to have to see that midweek business traveler back.
0: So being, and I'm going to make it blush, being the marketing genius that you are, Billy, how do you market to that last minute? You know, because restaurateurs and hotel operators around the country are listening to us now. What are the shifts? I mean, it's a challenge now. Social media is noisy as hell, right? right? I think that for that first third, value is a big deal for the first third, not as, as important as the last third. I'm sure you'd agree with that. So, absolutely. So what kind of shifts do you make to market in today's world?
1: I, honestly, I think a big piece of it is being out in, in front of them regularly. Um, it's not kind of the big spikes in cycles of, of typical media. And you, you know, so you buy big, typically you buy big in January. That's when people are making their travel plans. Mm. It gets, you know, it becomes a, a pretty good first quarter. Then you can kind of project out. you did pretty well in the first quarter, etc., Um, So there were times to spend and times to hold back. Now there needs to be more of a consistency and a presence. Mm -hmm. Someone's at home, uh, a Vegas ad pops up that says, uh, escape this weekend. Uh, Yes, you can. There are, you know, there's an opportunity to, to have those celebrations you need to have. You can have them in Vegas. And along with that, then obviously we continue to run our Vegas smart message the masking and, and the social yep. distancing because people find that important. Sure. Um, and so it's more. You know, it's interesting,
0: they, Billy. I hate to interrupt you, but I, w- I want to pick this no, apart. Please. What's interesting is the language change that you just made, because every word you said tied back to spontaneous your entire messaging changed. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, that's what listeners need to understand. You can't use a, an old message in a new time. So you're, rea- you're causing me to say, you know, what am I doing tomorrow? Maybe I will go tomorrow. But that little shift in language is the genius in what you're doing, because you're causing the consumer to make a different type of decision.
1: Well, and listen, the, 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 you know, I appreciate all the kind words and, and the compliments. Um, I don't know that I'm not a genius, but I'm a good listener and I listen to our customers and Vegas has been a leader by following, by knowing where our customers are, where their mindsets at and what they need. And the one thing that's interesting too, John, that's consistent, even in this spontaneity, even in this COVID era, Vegas continues to be the greatest escape place on earth. It's the one place where people go, where they can feel as if they can get out of some terrible situation and whether it's a, a a job pressure or uh you know in this case obviously a disconnect,
0: a disconnect from i
1: gotta get out I, yeah. and, and in vegas i don't need to have an itinerary i don't need to know that you know, i don't have to make reservations for every hour of my day in order to enjoy vegas in fact i'm going to enjoy it more if i don't right. and if i if i want to bring my golf clubs i will and if i don't want to use them i won't and no one's going to judge me for that i come here and i'm not judged for escaping, for releasing, for disconnecting, for unplugging. And so uh, the great thing about Vegas is that there's subtle changes in our language, maybe there's subtle changes in our media mix, maybe there's subtle changes in our, the platforms we use. But the essence of Vegas being that place where I could go be who I want to be, who I aspire to be, uh, is still the purest, the purest, purest, purest part of our brand. The idea of adult freedom is still, still the purest part of our brand. And we saw that with that first third you talked about. Yeah. The idea, they felt free. They felt the ability to come here. I mean, you think about it. They were in Southern California, which locked down pretty early. Yep. Um, most of them, mm-hmm. <laughs> the initial group. Uh, they were in their homes ordering Grubhub or whatever they were using to have their food come home. Maybe they did some uh, drive-by pickup. Um, but, man, they were in that house for months
0: they couldn't wait to get out
1: and They had an to come here and even though there wasn't lady gaga and david copperfield and cirque shows etc but i had a beautiful hotel room i had a great view i got served had i had a great meal five six restaurants not one right. right i could go hang by the pool and get some sun i could go walk around i could be in the open i can gamble and that idea of that escape, that, that release that they got from the from from the freedom that Vegas offers is, has been, is, and always will be the differentiator here. And why I know that when things begin to open up more, when we get our midweek business back, I, I have no doubt how fast the Vegas recovery will be, because it's always been remarkable. If you yeah. look at post 9-11, and I don't want to compare this to 9-11, it's it's not comparable in so, so, so many ways. But in one way that it two ways that it is, one is the, the fear, right? Mm-hmm. And secondly, the air travel. I mean, you know, we had the, both, right? Everything was shut down, air, airports were shut down, and then the fear of travel. Vegas came back the fastest, the fastest of any our airport was the first international airport to open. We came back the fastest. Why? Because people felt they could come here, and we saw this in our surveys two weeks after 911, people saying, God forgive me. I, I I know I shouldn't be thinking this way, but I just can't keep seeing the plane hit those four people in the tower. I mean, I I I I, I just need a couple of days break, and Vegas is a place I feel I can go get that. Done. I can go do that.
0: And you know, what's interesting, and, Billy, is, is yeah. how you you uh you sell the emotion. You do, and, and you know, uh, uh, for for listeners to realize, you, you don't necessarily sell the product. You sell the way the product makes you feel. And you sell the emotion, you sell the personal connection, you sell the relevancy. I'm relevant if I come to Vegas. I am someone if I come to Vegas. I have options. Right. I can go, I can do, I can. All of these things add to our identity and our relevancy. And, and that's what's wonderful about Vegas, because it, it's not a place, it's a thing. It's a feeling. It is. Yes, it's a feeling. It's, feeling. it's a, And any restaurateur or hotel operator or bar or nightclub operator, if you can identify with the feeling of your businesses, why people come, is it jubilation, is it dancing, is it energy, is it a culinary sure. experience, is it relaxation, is, is it romantic? If you understand where the hook is and you build your languaging and your marketing around that, that's when we connect.
1: <laughs> well, for bars and restaurants, I think increasingly – the idea of, of a personal ser- personal service, not just good service, meaning the food served fast and what have you, but an experience that is personally personal for me, it's pleasurable to me, the way that I'm treated, talked to, served, offered options, etc. It will is another difference maker as we go forward. I think for restaurants and bars especially.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And in my work with Rich Carlton over the years, and even now, we're opening a Taffer's Tavern in Alpharetta, Georgia, our first franchise we're opening right now, Billy. Uh, believe it or not, That's in the awesome. middle of this. And we opened in about a week or so. I'll send you some pictures, but I'm really, really excited about yeah. it. And, you know, little questions like, are you in a hurry today? Would you like me to slow? Are you. Uh, so you get to regulate your service pace. Right. right. And then, right. you know, to tailor everything and to connect is the most important thing. All right, let's talk about the future for a minute. Here's my belief. Tell me if you agree with me, and I know you'll tell me if you disagree with me. I think the next thing people are going to do after they get a vaccine is go to dinner.
1: (laughs) Do you agree? Uh, Indoors. (laughs) Indoors,
0: absolutely. They're going to say, I want to go back to life, and I think it's going to happen quickly, not slowly. Do you?
1: I do. I think initially we're going to see an absolute explosion of the need to fill the experiences I've missed and going to dinner indoors will definitely be one (laughs) going to a bar will definitely be one going to a sporting event I think is going to be huge um going to a concert going to a play any one of those things that are because again what are those things they're all our escapes I could always go to work I help you and I have been at work and we haven't been (laughs) in the office I'm, so you can always go to work, right? But what have I not been able to do that gets my mind off the crap of my life? We well, have yeah, go to a dinner, right? Mm-hmm. Go out and eat. Be served instead of having to cook. Go to a bar. Have a couple of drinks. Maybe meet somebody. Maybe meet a couple of friends. Maybe watch a game. Maybe play bar trivia. But get me out of this. Yeah. And the challenge with COVID has been this: there's few ways to get away from it.
0: Chases you everywhere. So I think...
1: Yeah, so I think once that vaccine, the treatment, yes, both of the above comes, oh, we're going to see an initial just boom. I mean, boom. Yeah. If concern- I could put the
0: antibodies in your arm right now, so uh-huh. you were set, where would you go? What would you do tonight?
1: Go to Chicago would and, you? See, yeah, see if I can go to the Bears game.
0: <laughs> so your first move is a sporting event.
1: Okay. Absolutely. That makes
0: somebody yeah. else would say, I'm gonna go to a comedy show. Somebody else would say I'm going to a movie. Right. Somebody else would right. say, Oh man, right. I can't wait to get to Broadway. So what's fascinating around the country, and I don't think Vegas is experiencing it to this level, Billy, and this is the sad part of our conversation, is we are gonna lose about fifty percent of independent restaurants across the country. And yeah. you know, working with the NRA, it's a million restaurants. Seventy percent of them are owned by single unit owners, right? They're family businesses. Yeah. Uh, we employ about 15 million people across the country as, as the restaurant industry. And we're probably going to lose about 50% overall capacity across the country. And I've been talking to restaurant operators around the country and saying, hold your money now while the market is dysfunctional. I don't even use the word disrupted anymore, Bobby. I use the word dysfunctional in cities like New York, you know, in places where the lockdowns, Los Angeles, the places where the lockdowns are severe. It isn't a market disruption. It's a market dysfunction. Right. It goes that far. And I've been telling restaurant operators, you know, hold your money now because there's two phases to this. One is a sustaining phase. (coughs) How do you survive during it? And then the next phase is the fact that this has run so long that brand loyalty is sort of disappearing. You're almost relaunching. You're almost, and not necessarily Las Vegas or one of our properties here, but, you know, a a restaurant in Chicago, it's almost like a grand opening again. You have to rebrand yourself. You have to reintroduce yourself. You can't count on those old customers. Patterns have changed. People have moved and stuff. If they all spend their resources in sustaining themselves, they won't have what they need to launch themselves properly when COVID opens up and, and are you finding that that's a, a, a decision that some of your clients and you guys are making where let's hold some money in the stable for relaunch. Are you strategically looking at this as like a sustaining period and a launching period?
1: You know, I, truthfully, I, I, um, that's an act, I've never thought about that. It's been very, um, how do I get through today and tomorrow? How do I get through this weekend? Right. Uh, what do we need to do to get an incremental fifteen thousand people to visit Las Vegas? One all of right. our clients uh, nationally is SeaWorld. Um, how do we get people comfortable enough in SeaWorld or Orlando to get an additional two thousand yeah. folks through the gates there? Uh, Top Golf. Um, all those things that were closed, right? Allegiant Air. Yeah. All those clients that were shut down. I mean, they weren't. They zero. And then slowly started to to, to reopen. Um, it's very much a how, and I'm going to go back to spontaneous. It's very much how do I get some short-term traffic through my door, get some cash flow so I can get to the day where I can open this thing up and have a grand reopening. The, the short answer is yes. There's going to be a lot of grand reopening, a lot of grand reopening. Yeah. Before I really knew what COVID was, Uh, when it started, but, but you know, in those days it's going to go away. It's not, it's like the flu, all that kind of stuff. We diluted ourselves with, uh, deluded ourselves with, um, well, I was quoted as saying, man, when this is over, pretty soon we're going to have the biggest party Vegas has ever had. Uh, that was, I think seven, six months ago. (laughs) Um, and so I think for a lot of us and and my clients it's get to that day. What are we doing today? To help us stay in business. I mean, the small restaurants are getting crushed, no question. But even in larger businesses, that fear of can I get there? I mean, because the other side of the of the sole, you know, the sole owner, small business person, small restaurant owner is these companies that have borrowed billions of dollars to build huge infrastructures and to create huge products and to create multiple products, and they have four or five showrooms, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That debt stays there. That doesn't go away. You can't just close the doors. You still owe that money.
0: And they owe it at a higher interest rate than today, too. It might be more expensive money.
1: Right. So they're just battling through today to tomorrow, and can I get a few more folks in the door, a little more revenue in to tie me over? There is a tremendous amount of confidence, I could say, by my clients. I have it, not you have it. When this sucker's over, when, we're going to uh, have an economic explosion in the short term. Now, it, I don't want to get deep. I still, we still haven't figured out exactly what the economic fallout is going to be, and will that have an impact? I mean, right. people talk about nine eleven. They forget we had a mini recession after nine yep. eleven. It took another eighteen months to begin come to back. have, yep. you know, to come back to normal. What's this going to be? That's number one. Number two, the other challenge again, questions. I I get to ask the host questions. Um, How much has this existence changed consumer and customer behavior? Restaurant goers, right? Restaurant goers. They've now, especially the younger ones, that already were sort of ordering, right? Grubhub and other things to the house. Is is there a new pattern of behavior that's settled into our lives where we may not go back to the behavior we had before the pandemic. Um, you know, you look at people that are buying houses now. The housing market flummoxed me for a while. Why have they buying houses now for? Well, because they're now looking at houses as places of work, play, and stay.
0: I was talking to a developer who has modified floor plans of future homes to make entertainment and work areas on the floor plan. So you see it as a buying purpose uh, uh, within the uh, 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 house. I also have a friend, he's selling thousands of them who created a booth. It's about uh, five feet by three feet. You get inside, you close the door, it's got a camera or computer in it. Your kids can be screaming on the other side of the door, but it's a silent booth for home, uh, all to to create working at home. It's fascinating, Billy, when when you mentioned uh, uh, consumer behavior change, I've been working on that a lot the last few months. And a couple of things have have grown out of this. One, home mixology, right? Entertaining at home. We're going to each other's homes more, because if we're safe, if I know you're safe and I'm safe, we can go to each other's home for dinner. Right, if, if so. so entertaining at home has become more popular. Home mixology has become more popular. I know from my mixology line uh, at retailers, sales of that are up, right? Because it, it's home product and stuff. I wonder if the frequency of restaurants doesn't go down 8 or 10% to create more at-home dining. And if we don't see those types of shifts. I also think, and, I, and I'm curious to hear your opinion, that a lot of special restaurants... Uh, uh, special occasion restaurants, I think, are going to go up because I think we're going to become a much larger part of the, the uh, joys of life, the celebration of life, but I think we might lose some of the day-to-day frequency. What do you think?
1: I completely agree. I think that, that uh, well, you know, interesting, you brought, you bring up the, uh, the whole mixology. How about the number of online Zoom or, or FaceTime real-time cooking classes you can now do at home with chefs from around the world, right? We did one with a a, a lady in in, in Bari in Italy who homemade this, that, and the other thing. Um, It was phenomenal. It was was a great experience, by the way. The experience was almost better than the food. Um, (laughs) But um, yeah, I think more of that's gonna happen. But the one thing you said that's spot on is people have now missed key moments in their lives 25th wedding anniversary a 21st birthday a grandma's 80th birthday whatever it might be they've missed really great moments of celebration so i think where you're spot on is those restaurants that allow you to celebrate not just eat now you can go back to kind of the personal experience yeah. thing they know you need to celebrate can they help you celebrate that special day? Can they do something special? Can they have a special uh, dessert if it's someone's 20 – Make know, a special cake. To, yeah, you whatever, yeah, whatever it might be, um, can I order ahead and can you give me that special bottle of wine that my wife had the night we got married? I don't know, but yep. crazy stuff. But the idea is restaurants making celebration uh, easy and making it accessible and making it something I could do without – Six months of planning ahead, right? Home run, Home and that's
0: run. and that's Vegas too, isn't it? Whammo! Yes, it is. I mean, that's that's yeah. that's a bullseye when it comes to yep. Las Vegas yep. for that type yep. of celebratory uh, experiences and such. You know, we're talking about losing about fifty percent of independent restaurants, and you and I are also talking about the boom that we see coming this spring post vaccine. Imagine what happens in the rest of the country when we get a boom with fifty percent of capacity we used to have. You know, to me, really that's,
1: here. <laughs> that's,
0: well, I think they're going to have to, but it's a fascinating thought. So, so that guy who's operating a little restaurant in suburban Atlanta or wherever the heck he is, you know, if he can hang in there, think of what it's going to be like post-pandemic when capacity is down and demand is up. So, you know, well, I think that's a bright spot that we all have to look at going forward. The, the operators, you know, that, that are smart enough to hang in there and reintroduce themselves post-COVID.
1: Which is why I really believe that, um, you know, and I realized the risk of spending ourselves into a greater deficit, but finding some way to help those little folks get the, the, the small restaurant owner, the small business owner of, of any type to be able to bridge to that, I think is, you know, one of the most important things we could do now, our government could do right now. I agree. Um, there seems to be for some reason, a reluctance towards restaurants, um, there seems, you know, and, and it's a head-scratcher to me. Um, it is. You know, it's
0: interesting because restaurants are non-political. Both sides say they right. want to
1: help us. Right, right, right. And so, you know, it gets wrapped up in, in, in all the other sort of special interest group lobbying and, and nonsense that goes on yeah. back there, and now everybody's weighing the impacts on political campaigns and all that kind of stuff. Well, you know, that 50% of restaurants you're talking about, can get to April or get to May or get to March with some help and and be open um, and and rebuild their business. Um, And I think that's where a lot of this needs to get focused on.
0: And quickly, because they're going down by the day. Yep. And yep. I, I know the PPP program was very successful with a lot of restaurants kept a lot of people working. I think we need to take a look at at, at business travel deductions, meal deductions. I think there really needs to be a serious hit on that. I think we need some domestic travel incentives, certainly. Uh, uh, I also think we need some hotel incentives for drive-in business that don't take advantage of of, of tra- air travel incentives. And no I think, that, and, and you know, the last thing that's that has been ignored so much, and, and you know, this, you know, being one of us, is the inventory cost. And for these small restaurants to refill refrigerators, refill coolers, is a huge expense. And they're supplying a, a down the supply chain. So if we give the restaurants the the stimulus they need to load up their inventory, we're supporting the farmers that grew it for Christ's sakes, and everybody right. along the supply chain.
1: So farmers, truckers, delivery folks, etc., etc., etc. No question about it. It's a the the, the impact has got to be one to four one to five for every restaurant job you're helping of four, them play four or five other people if, if it's if it's done right no doubt about it and i again i'm a head scratcher to me is why there seems to be resistance I don't get it. um on the restaurant side and while i you know while it's great they're bailing out airlines they need to help businesses that get on those airlines also get bailed out right. and and you know, I don't know. I mean, if the deficit is a challenge, maybe due to some no interest loan. I mean, there's other ways to go about this, you know, in some course in time. But there does need to be a commitment to to rebuilding those restaurants, rebuilding. Listen, our, our travel industry is a $10 trillion industry. So it's not like we're not going to earn it back if we get to stay alive. You know, We're going to bring that money right back to this country if we stay alive.
0: We sure will. And, and when you start to add employee payroll taxes and everything else, to the, the impact is, is unbelievably huge. I Sales saw a proposal tax. the other day. It was fascinating. That proposed that the federal government issue a restaurant industry bond that people could invest in. Interesting. Very much like, a, like the old federal bond programs used to be. Yeah, yeah. And that bond would fund the hospitality industry. And, and and reap a, a fixed return. You know, I think some creative ideas like that could go a long way and could avoid the budget deficit, but I don't see a lot of people throwing out a lot of creative ideas at the moment. I'm hoping post-election it starts to happen, Bob, because right now we just seem to be stuck, buddy.
1: Well, and I think it's, it's not, yeah, it's creative ideas, and it's also, uh, you know, folks being able to sit down and realize there's something more important than their party affiliation, their election, their cool offices, and their customized license plates. <laughs> and, you know, folks be able to sit down and, and start thinking about opening their minds to creative ideas, public-private partnerships, private investment, yep. um, low-interest loans, no-interest loans, whatever it might be, but put the panoply of opportunities on the table to save our American businesses and set aside your damn reelections and, and your party affiliations. I think that's, you know, to me, that's been the biggest obstacle to better recovery.
0: Yeah. It sure is. And, and you know, I think that's a, a, an amazing note to end this conversation on. For, and I know I've got a lot of politicians that do listen to this podcast that are friends of mine. You know, this is, this is a powerful moment. We're losing about 6% more restaurants around the country, Billy, every month. Right. you know uh, the, right. th- these are moms and poms, these are small businesses yeah. and these are the people to come to our city to come to las vegas to, to try so it, it's powerful we need to act and we need to act now billy what would you say to to uh, uh the industry i guess you've already said it great days are ahead you see a boom town in our future
1: no question great days are ahead um hang on i mean hang on and You know, we this industry, I think, especially ours in Vegas has been incredibly uh, responsible, vigilant, um, you know, the taking all the right precautions to protect our our workers and our guests. Keep doing that. Let's get through this. And we get through this. Just open the doors and start embracing people coming in.
0: I agree. I agree. So we just got to be smart between now and then. And I think the I think the end is near. I do. I think it we're is. about 90 it days is. away from really seeing a, a widespread vaccine distribution. So hang in there, everybody. Billy, this Your was mouth,
1: a, the guys here. I'm with <laughs> you.
0: This was a pleasure. Really. This was Thank a pleasure. You. I
1: really enjoyed this John. Anytime. This was fun. Thank you.
0: Me too, buddy. Thank you. Don't shut down this
1: podcast. John Taffer. will be right back.
0: That was fun, wasn't it, Corey? That was. That was a very interesting conversation to sit here, you know, kind of as a producer slash marketer. And it was uh, it was very eye-opening to hear yeah. you guys talk. Well, he's a genius. And, and you know, what, what he has led and his energy and his ability to cut through messaging and understand was really valuable. And I think there's a lot of lessons that hopefully our listeners and business owners heard in this podcast that's powerful. And whether you're promoting yourself or promoting a business, language is important. Attaching to people's emotions are important. Those of you that have read my first book know how much I I focus on reaction management. Corey, every employee in Alpharetta right now, all 120 of my brand new employees, every one of them knows the term reaction management. Every one of them knows what it means, how to do it, how to make it benefit you, how to make people feel good through the practice. So when you create reactions, you create success. You see, Billy and his company doesn't create marketing. They create reactions. They achieve it through marketing, right? They don't put on promotions. They put on reactions. They achieve it through promotions. And Las Vegas isn't a place you go to count dollars or to do things logically. Las Vegas is a place you go because of emotions. You cut loose in Vegas, don't you, Corey? Oh, yeah. Right? If you like to drink, maybe you drink a little more when you're in Vegas. If you like to have sex, you probably have a lot more of that while you're in Las Vegas. You know, if you like to gamble, you're going to do a little more of that. Whatever you love to do, you can do a little more of it in a place like this and that's the emotional connection that Billy so mastered over the years well there's one point that to me was the most powerful of all Corey and you know I've made a lot of forecasts these past few months and I know you've been keeping record of them and I think we did a snippet back a few months ago mm-hmm. where almost every prediction I made was true absolutely yeah it was nice to hear my third, third, third verified mm-hmm. to that degree and how much, you know, Billy's company spends millions of dollars a year in market research. And we were right on to the yeah. point that he even said, yeah. I should call you save some money. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. you know, we do get the business here and, and we do have our fingers on a pulse of it. And the biggest thing to me that Billy said that he and I agree with was the term boomtown. Hang in there. Boomtown is coming. And if you're a consumer and you're not in a restaurant business, boy, we are gonna be ready for you. And we're gonna create experiences that are wonderful. And we're gonna get our birthdays and our anniversaries and our weddings and all of these things back in really just a few short months. We can see the end of it now. Corey, you can see the finish line. That's what I learned from Billy's conversation today, that I'm right. And one of the greatest marketers in the world agrees the first thing we're gonna do when we get a vaccine is go love what we do. If we love Broadway, that's where we're going. If we love bars, that's where we're going. If I love comedy, that's where I'm going. If I love music, that's where I'm going. And if I love to gamble, that's where I'm going. But I'm going, and I can't wait till this happens. So, you know, we're about to enter a difficult time. I want to end this podcast in the most positive of ways. We've all been heroes in our own way these past few months. We've all helped each other, supported each other. I've been texting friends since March that I haven't spoken to in 25, 30 years just to make sure they're okay, Corey. Yeah. And every week or two we text each other back and forth just to make sure we're okay. I haven't communicated with some of these people in 25 years, but we're communicating now, and we care about each other now. And I'm texting friends who are texting me all over the country, how are you doing, you hanging in there, you this, you that, you that. I've seen another side of America during this ugly election cycle and this divisiveness. I've seen something that was sort of special, Corey. I've seen people really reaching out to people about COVID, not politics, mm-hmm. and connecting and supporting each other. And you know, trying to help each other. I've seen merchants and stores go out of their way to keep us safe past even what the manager told them to do. Yeah, I've seen customers respect employees and keep away from them and protect them. I've seen adults protect children. I've seen children protect adults 10 years old when we think about that little spark of connection, that little thing that happened during the past seven months that caused us to start to worry about each other again, there's good in that. And when this election ends, I'm hoping that the divisiveness sort of dwindles away, Corey, but that spark stays. And that caring about each other stays and checking in on each other stays and communicating with each other more stays. That's the good part of this. So do something for me if you enjoyed this podcast this week. Why don't you reach out to somebody I haven't spoken to in a long time, check in on them. See how they're doing. COVID is a wonderful excuse to catch up with somebody. To say, boy, you know, this crisis, it's been a hell of a year. I just want to think, I was thinking about you, how are you doing? Let's each reach out to one or two more people. Let's make the spark a little bigger. There is something good going on here. And when COVID ends, this good can really blossom. That's what I'm focused on. I want to turn this ugliness into something positive, and I think together we can do it. I'll talk to you next week. My biggest podcast ever. I'm not sure I can get much bigger guests. Do you? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very shocked and very excited. Well Yeah. Sometimes you just got to reach high in life. <laughs> and we did. And we, we did. did. Talk to you all next week. Bye bye. Subscribe to the John Tapper podcast right now for more episodes every Thursday.